This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that won't steal your wheels when you go out of town. This episode, we wrap up two series we really enjoyed, Disney Plus's Ms. Marvel and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll even test our cadets in our The Verses Star Trek 101 final exam. Let's say hello to the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. I'm Bridget. Hey, Bridget's back. Yay! Yeah. We missed her. Welcome back, BB. Aw, thank you guys so much. I did miss you. You were sorely missed as well. Yeah, it was a, t- a tough time here. You could have used you. your opinion. Well, don't forget about me. It's your old friend, Bert. I've returned too. Well, that's odd. Can you hear me? Oh, it's me, Bert. Hello. Is this blotty thing on? Well, whenever you're ready, I'm awaiting all your tears and cheers. Hello. Um... Hey, Bert. Why, that's the sweetest welcome ever. Thank you so much. You brought some Britney Spears to me old idols. So, Bridget, how was CockneyCon? It was Gradley Shabby Yanks for asking, bloke. You're welcome? Oh, sorry, Lucas. I said it was excellent. Thanks for asking. And just so we're clear, I more understand Cockney, not really speak Cockney. All right, that tracks. Well, can you tell us anything more about it? Well, it was a grand old time. Let me tell you all about it. There was chimney sweeps, Dick Van Dyke contest, apple bobbin, pies and mash, and Bridget here took the time to tell me all about Cronsworth. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> We've got a lot to cover, so uh, let's move on. Emily? Uh, as I was saying, and I'm Emilia, and today we're skipping the verse news because we have a big show today. So let's jump right in with Ms. Marvel. And uh, Bridget, I'm not sure if you know this, but while you were at CockneyCon, we beamed Ms. Marvel head writer and executive producer Bisha K. Ali up to the ship to discuss her work on Ms. Marvel. What? I missed it? <laughs> Don't worry. You and others can listen to the interview on the podcast. Episode 59.5. It was great. Are you done shameless plugging, Norm? Never. Well, if so, let's get to the last two episodes of Bisha's series, Ms. Marvel. So, guys, I really, I really, 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 Oh, don't apologize. I love that DMCA'd song. up here. <laughs> Never apologize for the Spice Girls, okay? Let's get that clear. Um, uh, wait, so we have two episodes. Five I guess we six. haven't five covered... Five six. All right, I feel like I didn't do my homework. Um, <gasps> but yes, why don't we discuss the last two episodes, which are Time and Again and No Normal. Oh, the reason why I'm thinking about it is we discussed it with Bisha K. Ali, yes. on, which you should check out. Like I said before my Spice Girls karaoke rendition, 
I really, 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 really like, actually, quote, love Miss Marvel. I will say, with that many uh, reallys, I'm pretty sure that just translates to a love. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. How All many right. really likes equals one love? Three. The world may never know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm cold and heartless and have poor taste, so it's really hard for me to say oh. I love anything, okay? So, anywho's That came from your uh, mouth. I'm just letting it everyone did. know. It did. Um, I'm, I'm just like, you guys have just rung me out so many times that I've just started to believe. That's why nonsense. you've been missed, by the way. We needed your taste to balance out our cynicism. So, yes, okay. tell us why. What, what about this series is, you know, okay. making you really, 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 really like it? Really, 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 really like it. You can't forget oh, that extra really at the end. My, um, my bad. Yeah, you should apologize. So I think the ordeal with Miss Marvel, I think episodes five and six were hands down my favorite two of the series, especially episode five. I thought it was incredible uh, and we'll give a description. But I think at the end of the day, out of all Marvel content, movies, TV shows, you name it, Miss Marvel is the one show and character and storyline that I've easily related to the most. And going back to the pilot, thinking like, oh, this is going to be for kids. This is not going to, mm-hmm. you know, hit well with me. Well, I was dead wrong. Uh, and, you know, you know, I like to think I'm mature and older, but at the end of the day, I'm like, dang, this hit, this hit the spot. Like, totally. The humor, the music, the writing, the storyline, everything. Just, like, I could understand uh, Kamala's perspective, where she came with her family, and everything about it was just so relatable to me. And and I love Marvel, and I have enjoyed every single piece of Marvel content out there, but this truly, for me, was the first time I was like, I really felt like I knew the character, and I knew what she was going through. So in that way, like this was very impactful. For me as a viewer. And I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, as the show progressed, even though Norm and I have spoken about this, like it's not really for us who are not high school kids anymore as for the point of view. But as it's gone on, it's been more about just family. It's been mm-hmm. about, you know, history, right? We had this historical lesson. So it turns out it was way more mature and it totally was for us. Like we, it was kind of the bait and switch where it starts right. and where it ends up is two very different uh shows in a way which is awesome and you know time and again this episode we get the first half of the episode is not even about uh kamala it's about um her grand, you know the her grandparent her grandparents great grandmother great grandmother um which is great like that for me it's funny i'm looking at imdb and it's the lowest rated of all the episodes and i'm like what that was like my favorite one i think i'm pretty sure that episode one was my five? favorite episode yeah. Well, to, just to give a quick synopsis of episode five. So at the end of episode four, uh, Kamala is in this big fight, and uh, basically she blocks getting stabbed with a knife with the bracelet. And when the knife hits the bracelet, it transports her back in time to, like, the train station that they've all been talking about the whole time, you know, where, like, her family got separated and then they magically found each other again. And she's, like, back in time in history. So episode five, it shows the backstory of her great-grandmother assimilating, I guess you could say, on Mm -hmm. Earth um, as this, you know, otherworldly being. I think Lucas said it. The whole episode was not even focused on Kamala. It was focused on 
her great-grandmother and family. And as you may have noticed, uh, this will be a spoiler-filled, a spoiler-saturated review of Miss Marvel. There, there is no spoiler-freeness when you're talking about the finale of a show. And we're, I know we're talking about the penultimate episode, but come on. We, we're, we're yeah. covering both. We're covering both. Um, so, I mean, so what did you guys think of it? Episode five. Episode five. I think it was easily the best episode of the series because it's where um, it's like the episode that pulls everything together and it references or it tells the story of everything that all the characters are referencing all the time. <laughs> so it's like nice to finally get that. And I think they did a pretty good job of like explaining a little bit of like the background trauma that her family has experienced with it with there being mystical explanations but not having that be just like like oh it's all magic so that explains um everything and history didn't really matter like history very much mattered and the story that they're getting between the what are the what are the mystical beings the, called the, the nord <laughs> the jinn. and the, the jinn the nord the the nord. clandestine Oh, the clandestines. The clandestines. Yeah. I kept trying to think of clandestines, Factions. and then I kept wanting to say celestials. <laughs> I was thinking wrong. Different. Eternals. Different. different. I but... Not wrong. Different. <laughs> but there, um, this divide between the clandestines and the humans um, that are now also kind of like battling it out within Kamala, like obviously reflects this partition history and reflects Kamala's like. That's her whole thing, that she's split between two cultures. Mm -hmm. She's this brown girl in Jersey who has immigrant parents. And there's like, we've, we've talked a ton about like the fa the interesting family bond that they have, which is so close, but so um, there's such a gulf there too, like culturally and generationally. So thematically, it's all it's all about partitions. It's Yeah, it's very cohesive, the, the theme of this show. And one of the things that... Really, that's why, for some reason, the second to last episode of every Marvel show is my favorite. Like, <laughs> most of the time, I shouldn't say it every time, but most of the time, because it's like where this, the threads all come together, then there's the finale. And for some reason, I always kind of feel a little bit let down. The only, Moon Knight was the only one that I felt like actually the finale might have been the, the better one. But um, that being said, yeah, this, uh, this episode the, going into um, uh, Miss Marvel, like, I'll t say that the uh, the finale had things that I actually, I guess I'll hold off talking about yeah. it because it's the next one. But uh, you know, it it ends in such a way this episode, uh, time and again, where it it's a really kind of like, as Bisha K. Ali said, the, the the family isn't the backstory; it is the story. And I totally didn't get what she meant by it until re going back and rewatching it. I was like, oh yeah, like again, we were led to believe it was going to be the story about this young girl in high school, and instead, it's all about. Like you said, the the partitioning of India, but also of the how she's caught between these two worlds, and so was her grandmother, and so was her great grandmother. So yeah, it's kind of the story of these inter intergenerational trauma that is just repeats itself over and over and over again. But like how they survive and thrive through it is by supporting each other, and it's just such a universal message that I mm -hmm. feel like it doesn't matter what your background is. Like this show, if you're paying attention to it, should at least resonate with you a little bit. Yeah, I think. What has struck me the most about this series is definitely just the family angle. You know, like the worst times of your life, you know, are bearable because of your family, you know, mm -hmm. and when things get harder, 
and you're going through rough points in life, the more you tend to lean into your family. And it's like, it's things you don't really think about on a day-to-day basis uh, when you're going about life and you know you're like, you get mad at your mom or your dad for doing stupid stuff or you do stupid stuff and they get mad at you. And But then at the end of the day, the, no matter like the worst things in life that could happen to you, your family will always be there to support you. And I just think that is something that's taken me like a long time to learn and I've you know had to fall on my butt a few times to learn it at the end of the day as much as I want to be an adult and sometimes push my parents away like I'm here and I'm who I am with because of them so it's like and when I go through the rough points of my life like they're always there for me so I think like that is beautiful and again though but like telling it also like through the backstory of like generations ago for Kamala is like huge because it's like her family couldn't be here if it wasn't for the actions of like her great grandmother and what she did. So it's really cool to see that how that translated for them through their family line. Can I also point out that Norm was absolutely right <laughs> that he called the the Harry Potter Patronus moment, and when it was happening, I was like, okay, damn it. I mean, we kind of suspected it might happen. Uh, the writing anyway. was right there on the wall. <laughs> I yeah. technically did that. That does break Marvel's time travel rules, but well, time well, travel rules are made to be broken. Because the, the TVA didn't show up. Is it time travel? <laughs> is it? Yeah, there's the branch timeline thing didn't happen. But it was supposed to happen, so they let it happen. No, I was going to say it. It was. It wasn't a paradox. Well, it totally is a paradox, actually, because it. Ha- she made it happen, so it has. So it had happened. So it always happened. Anyway, the grandfather paradox. <laughs> paradox. Yeah. Wait, that's a different show. <laughs> different show, but it's, it's the same. Uh, same idea. It's okay. The same idea. Um, yeah, time time travel messes with you, your mind. You know, Luke, you should bring up the point that this uh, that Bisha did say that this was a, a story about family, and if you haven't gotten that by this episode, then this episode, especially the first two thirds of it, probably seemed a little superfluous because um, you'd be like, I don't understand why we're spending so much time with the backstory of the family unless you're looking at it as, like, this is a story about family who just happens to have, like, a little bit of superhero sh- shenanigans running through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if that's, like, there's the obvious culprit of, like, people are just being, like, super racist when it comes to this show and not liking it for that reason or feeling like, oh, I can't possibly relate to this story about this person who is quote unquote so different from me. Um, But I wonder if some of that is intensified by the fact that like this show, if you looked at it as if like you looked at this as a different phase of Marvel or you are still like hating on phase four because you don't like this idea of branching out to other genres or you just want to keep having the same thing that you always get like and you read this as a straight superhero show then like yeah we did not accomplish much in terms of origin story in this episode and so i guess you would be like nothing happened all we did was learn a little bit more about the character but like and maybe or you didn't learn more about the character technically so you wouldn't care but that would just be a very um at that point you're just like willfully right. misinterpreting what you're right watching. and and that's I, and that's what i mean i think a lot of people who set out and I think the preconceived no, no notion of like a Marvel origin story is going to do, going to do X, Y, and Z and people expect it. And when you break away from that and they don't realize what you're doing, 
until it's too late, they will give bad reviews and, and look at it and be like, well, this 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 was bad, and it was because they didn't do what I was expecting. They they didn't do the formula, and but like then they go back and watch it later the, after the bad taste is out of their mouth, like oh, this wasn't a straight like origin story. They go back and they watch it and they go, oh, you know what? This actually, oh, this is actually pretty good. Like like one of those retrospects. Mm-hmm. Like now that I know the character and I go back and rewatch it, like oh, this is good. How didn't I see this before? And it's probably because they missed that yeah. lens of this isn't your typical, you know, superhero origin story. Yeah. We're going to talk about I family. Think, I think what was really too, and as much as like, let's say they didn't focus on Kamala in this episode, I will say that putting her in that situation and, you know, transporting her back in time and putting her in this like mess of a scene, like you kind of saw her like grow up a little bit in this episode because like she's just a young kid who all of a sudden just gets thrown into intense chaos. She finds her great grandmother stabbed and dying. And now it's like the responsibility of like ensuring her family's future just like falls on her shoulders. That's like, if she doesn't succeed, you know, like what's going to happen. And I think that like, you see her just like terrified. Like when, like when she's first getting there at the train station and then, you know, like, she just, like, takes a moment, and she's like, okay, 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 I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Uh, and then she's like, I did it. Like, you just see, like, you just see it progress over the episode. So I think that was, like, pretty cool, because it wasn't anything intense. It wasn't she was just, like, wasn't she was, like, flying off buildings and, you know, making this insane save. It was, like, very small moments, but the stakes were very high. Like, very well, high for a kid yeah, to-, to be dealing with, you know? Uh, to contrast this, though, to the f- finale, not that I want to jump into it just yet unless everybody's ready, is that the stakes, you know, were higher even though what she's doing is, you know, smaller, right? And right. then in the finale, there was a lot of, like, action fighting things and some really good comedy moments. But I felt like in some ways the stakes didn't feel as high because we had that in this episode, which was like the whole, fa- you know, survival of the family was at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in w- some ways that's why I like this episode maybe more, and I'm yeah. so surprised that it has a lower rating. Like they didn't, the finale yeah, actually, actually on IMDb has kind of a that. higher rating than yeah. uh, the other ones. They oh, so weird. They me. made the stakes high, but they made them personal as well. Like b- uh, before yeah. this, um, when the clandestine were after her, um, it felt personal to the clandestine, but it didn't feel personal to Kamala. Like it felt yeah. like she was being dragged into like family trauma. Like, oh, your grandmother did this, and now we have to, like, hurt you for it and whatnot. Now it's your problem. Yeah, now it's your problem. (laughs) The whole sins of the father, in this case, sins of the great-grandmother thing going here. But, like, they felt very personal and very, like, like high stakes for her. And that's, I think, what drew me in more with this episode five is, like, okay, now it, like, putting the idea that Kamal is the reason why her grandmother got back to her great-grandfather and was able to go and start the family and all of this. Like, and plus, and like with Kamala being the one who helps her grandmother might explain why her grandmother and her have a even maybe closer bond than what it seemed like the rest of the family did. So I thought that was like the part where I'm like, okay, now, um, now I feel like this is all coming together like really Mm -hmm. well. Well, we should probably describe what happens at the end of the episode, which is um, Najma, who's uh, Kamran's mom, 
ends up sacrificing herself to kind of close the portal to the nerd clandestine's home. Is that what that was? The Nord. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Between episodes four and five, I got very (laughs) confused in how the magic portal powers. The magic system was very confusing. It was yes, yeah. Like it was a little. It was definitely confusing. I wouldn't call you're it the not a, yeah. this point of the show. You're not alone. I definitely felt that's why I'm like that's what was happening, right? Yeah. Um, but she does sacrifice herself. She she dies, and then her powers then are, go to her son. Is that are what they also happened? Or the portal? Awakened him. I was very confused. I I interpreted it as she closed the portal, quote unquote, closed. More <laughs> so, the portal just like put itself in Comron. It's it's kind of again. This is this is the part where it gets a little clunky. Um, He does get those weird powers, but it really plays into the next episode. His powers are very chaotic, which Mm -hmm. is why I thought maybe they just like put the power source in him, not so much her powers. From what I was understanding is that he hadn't had those powers awakened previously, so that it was him just trying to struggle through learning how to use them. Whereas you know. uh, Miss Marvel, she was able to kind of take her time as we got her her training montage. Yeah, she so he br- didn't get any training. She had Bruno. Montage. Yeah, she, yeah. She also had a great scientist kid, you know, who had her back. Um, yeah, that's true. But anyway, so that end, the episode ends with the death of Najma, and mm-hmm. it uh, brings us then back to the United States for the finale, back to Jersey City. Well, also. Joy-Z. Also, right, bef- right before we go back in to Jersey City, there's uh, a moment with uh, Kamala and her mother, um, and there seems to be, like, an understanding of, like, like, before this, she treats Kamala very much like a child, and then from this point on, it seems like she understands that she's a young woman, and that she's mm-hmm. going to start being her own person and stuff like that, and... She kind of airs her, like, I just don't want you to be a bad person type thing and whatnot. And there's this, like, really, there's a tender moment between the grandmother and the mother before this. Uh, I think in the previous episode, or, or maybe it was this episode. And then, like, after that, there's Kamala and her sitting down and, like, kind of, like, opening up. And you, like, really get this feeling like this was a talk that should have happened a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, like, resolves, because, I, I mean, at this point, they know that Kamala's got powers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from here, do we move on to the season finale? Sure. Are we going to start talking about No Normal, the sixth and final episode of Miss Marvel? Just offhand comment, I thought this was titled No New Normal for a long time because that's all I can... The, so, the, the COVID is really right. taking a toll. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really like the, the title of this, No Normal. Because that's something that people should learn flat out. There's no such thing as normal. Normal is a fantasy. No such thing. And it should not be a fantasy at all. It should not be strived for for conform like 100% uniform conformity is just a bad idea in general. Mm-hmm. So And see, impossible to, to have happen. Exactly. So I, I love the title of this just to start with. <laughs> <laughs> this episode definitely had the most action, pretty much, that we've seen so far. Um, And I will say, visually, I thought it was awesome. Like, how they kept the art style, I thought, throughout the whole episode. The lighting, the mood, the tone, 
was just like spot on. Like I was so happy to see that carried all the way through to the end of the episode. Yeah. It was visually stunning, the series was. Visually stunning. So in this episode, uh, we start off, um, actually in the, in the previous episode, uh, once Cameron gets his powers, he goes and he finds Bruno, who he, the very first time he's still calling Brian, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and then uh, while they're in Bruno's apartment or whatever, the Department of Damage Control drone shows up and Bruno reacts, or no, sorry, Comron uh, reacts, accidentally hits the drone, which shoots a missile into the Circle Q below, blows up the uh, the the convenience store, and then Bruno and Cameron have to, you know, go on the run. Well, they do leave it on a cliffhanger where you're like, wait, did they just get blowed up? And then they're like, no, they're fine. Yeah, they're, they, they, they make it to the subway just fine. They're fine. They're in the subway. Department of Damage Control is hot on their heels. And Kamala gets a text or a phone call from her friend saying, hey, um, the Circle Q blew up. Well, we can't find Bruno. We need your help. And then they all converge at the school somehow. <laughs> hey, let's go hang out at school. It's a Saturday night. That makes sense. Well, that, I guess the reason the only place, yeah, well, nobody right. will be is on his right. That's what they say. In yeah, it. That, that's what that's the yeah the idea. I don't know how accurate that is. It depends. I guess it depends if you have after school activities. But maybe they're right. It's been a while. So so then we have uh, not only Kamala, Bruno, and and Kamran showing up there at the school. You also get uh, Nakia, her like best friend from the mosque, who. Uh, apparently did become one of the uh the uh board members of the mosque it seems like oh, yeah yeah did, did they did, did we just learn members? at this final episode that she won I the election so. no okay. i think we learned it a couple episodes no we did oh, we did learn it a couple episodes ago oh, okay, okay. Yeah. um and then yeah, we also she was having a discussion with kamala and she like snuck it in she's like and i just became the newest board member okay yeah okay so then we also get zoe who was the girl she saved in the first episode uh, it was kind of like a mean girl. They made her out to be like a mean girl the first episode. But apparently she knew who it was the entire time, and she came to help because she knew she owed her one. And then her brother— well, No, 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 no. Let's... She was only there because the lighting in the theater department was better oh, that's for her right. TikToks. <laughs> for her TikToks. Totally get it. She's right, by the way. But, but She's on the hustle. Lighting. But she yeah. showed up to help them from the theater department because she owed her one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you also have her brother, uh, Amir, show up, which— is hilarious because uh, right before this, we get this whole entire speech from her mom and dad, how like, yes, we trust you, blah, blah, blah. But yet they still sent a chaperone out to the super powered individual and the uh, chaperone has no superpowers. But, I, but that's I, legit because yeah. he is a man. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. You can totally see. This is the thing that I loved again about this episode was every time it had the family involved, it was the show I want to watch. And we skipped over the fact where she has her coming out to her family about being a superhero. And her brother's like, oh, my God, that's so shocking. And it's like through the family grapevine. Yeah. Everybody already knew, which was I, I, the dad has it on speakerphone yeah, all the time. I told your father and he probably had it on speakerphone. And... <laughs> which like, I have to laugh because that so is convenient. like so accurate. Like, yes. Like, this is what so I mean. Accurate. If you can't relate to this show, you obviously are like you don't have any family at all. 
or you're not even around other families. You just live in isolation in like Antarctica oh or something. Oh my god, it's so. But those true. are my favorite so moments, true. right? Like, and so not only sending the yeah the unsuperpowered chaperone, just because it's the older brother, it's the male. Like that's all those things just were exactly kind of like relatable and funny. Um, but even beyond that was how, the, like you said, Bridget, they brought back in the her illustrations or art for the finale. I'm glad they did because I was thinking like, God, I really love that about the the first couple episodes is they were so vibrant and lively and they had that kind of her perspective. So to bring that back in really was made it much more cohesive. Absolutely. Where she plans out how they're going to defend the school from the... Which, yes, the damage damage control, Department of Damage Control shows up and they have to come up with a plan to try and get uh, Kamran to the docks so he can get out of the country courtesy of the Red Daggers. Which seems a little weird since he is a client. That you'd call the people hunting them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then. I just think this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Norm. Oh, I was just going to finish up the synopsis Uh, quickly. The uh, damage control, obviously, uh, there's too much press, and the uh, department head says, don't go in. And the field agent's like, okay, sure. Let's go in now. Bring everything you got. They go in. uh, Kamran kind of goes to the dark side a little bit, and Kamala has to fight him off but like like more like try and temper him and then like try and keep damage control away from hurting like not only Comron and herself but a lot of innocent bystanders who show up yeah and then we I... end with uh Comron making it to the boat and to the red daggers and Kamala going forth with her journey as Ms. Marvel we'll talk about the ending ending later okay <laughs> Well, I think besides every scene with the family in this episode, it totally gave off the vibes of just like kid hijinks 101 mm-hmm. of them like it was almost know, home alone-ish. It was home yes. alone-ish. It was reminding me we talked about 80s rom-coms earlier, but the, it gave me like Breakfast Club vibes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like just straight up hooligans to like stop the Department of Defense from like arresting them. Uh, and, you know, they're not, like, outsmarting them. The whole point was just to distract them. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was so fun. But, like I said, visually, like, they had the lights off, like, in, in the school. They had this, like, blue hue. And, like, the like the SWAT-looking team came in with their lights on. And it was just, like, it just looked really fun. And it was cool. Uh, yeah, they were but, shooting them with know, baseballs. Baseballs. They were, um, like, they got fire a, the, extinguishers going off. They're just stacking up desks yeah. and chairs. Um the first, the first one was um, they. They were like they walk in. There's like this, like a piece of equipment in the hallway, and the team is like, "Oh my god, it's a bomb!" Like back up, and then just music starts playing like out of it. The disco, <laughs> disco ball drops. The disco ball drops. We also get the kiss, the Kamran uh, kiss, uh, and the almost love triangle. Kiss. So I was like, almost, almost, almost kiss. kiss. Doesn't almost happen. Kiss. Um, before before uh, she actually goes to the school and whatnot, I got a there's a little bit of a callback where her mom hands her her co- what would be her uniform or costume. Oh, that was and, so good. And, like, she looks at it, I'm like, wow, that is some really good work to the point where I'm questioning if she actually even cared to make that Hulk outfit before. I guess I guess because she had to make two of them in, in like, no time flat. In a shorter amount of yeah, time. Yeah, maybe yeah. it makes sense. But, man, her mom's got some skills. Yeah. Give me her what number. What <laughs> One of the things I love, though, is that she gets her costume from her mother and she gets her name from her father. And they were something so adorable like that. Again, the favorite parts of the episode were the family things. And for that character to be like her, 
how she became defined was through her family. It was just, again, narratively, thematically, this show is really tight. It, it might yeah. seem sloppy, and it kind of is in some, like we said, the magic stuff. There's some things that people, if you focus on, feel sloppy, but narratively and character-wise, this is a super tight series. Oh, easily. And that, yeah, I definitely think that my favorite moment of this episode was when she was on the roof of their house with her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that was just, like, such a beautiful moment. And she's geeking out. She's like, oh, my God, I have the same name as Carol Danvers. Danvers? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that who that is. Away. I love that. I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> it was it was very sweet. But also, too, to see the shift in dynamic between her and her parents. Like, the mother, even though she sends her older brother to be a chaperone, you know, her mother is giving her this costume, like, basically saying, you know, like, I'm proud of you. And, like, it's okay for you to do this. Like, I know you can do this. Um and, like, establishing that, like, relationship of trust and, like, seeing her as, like, like you guys said earlier, more of an adult as a woman than as a child. Uh, and that, that was, like, really awesome to see on screen because this is, what, our youngest Avenger? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I, but right Peter now. Parker, I guess, Spider-Man. No, he's, he just graduated high school, so, and she's still in yeah, high so school, so. Yeah. So it's really, it's cool to see that. It was really cool to see that. Yeah, um, you know, and then going through this episode, uh, the the damage control agents seem to be, like, a ton of them. Like, way more than what I think they could wrestle up for that amount. But, hey, it was it was funny to watch them go through the school. And especially the uh, scene where they stacked all the desks and they, like, kind of mm-hmm. go go under them. And they're like, ha-ha, this will slow them down. Yeah, two seconds. They, like, just, like, shouldered through that, like, blockade. I was like... That probably took like a good twenty minutes to do, and he was through it within ten seconds. But they were like yeah. blasting apart the school. I'm like, yeah, there go your taxes, man. They're going up, up, up to make all these repairs. So you know. <laughs> oh my god. Although if there's one yeah, thing they... I can definitely agree on that America will spend its money on is law enforcement agencies. So yeah. I'm not surprised they had like a bunch of dudes probably getting like well, six figure salaries. And, oh, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> you know? the lady beforehand, after she got the orders to not send anyone in, she was like, call in all extra reinforcements. So she did call yeah, everyone. But if you're calling in reinforcements, you have to figure that they're at least like an hour out. And they those guys are there. Yeah, quick. they're getting shawarma. <laughs> no, you know, this is like the this other is side like of the... how like criminal minds and police like shows work on television, like so inaccurate. Like, yes, Norm. In typical real time fashion it would take an hour or more to get extra people to come in because people are like, oh, they're like, I'm barbecuing with the kids. I got to put the uniform <laughs> on. Like, Well, yeah, but the difference is not that there were children in danger. That, yeah. right, that, then it would take them a really long time. Oh, the difference yeah. is that yeah. there were there were children of color causing the danger, presumably, like, to, yeah. from their perspective. So they were like, oh, man, we got to well, be there. Send in everyone. So that, that's one thing I want to call out, and I would have loved to have seen this finale before talking to Bisha. Um, there's a moment where the damage control person literally says, like, we just don't want the wrong people to have powers. And the guy's like, ooh, just because they're brown? She's like, no, because there's children, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. And I would, I would yeah. love to have asked Bisha about that line. I was just going to say that as much as I like this finale, like, there are some parts that I, I that fell a little bit flat for me. And I think some of the... Some of the reasons are, like, very personal to me, but one of the things that I felt, what was about the DODC that I just, like, there are these cartoonishly evil villains that are clearly supposed to be based in some kind of reality of, like, you know, actual 
law enforcement um, that has all of this like structural inequity and bias within it. Um, and that is like a truly terrifying, scary thing. And then to bring them in here and to have them introduced as like this, oh, these guys are going to be really scary. They're going to be like the real threat right. compared to the clandestines. Like, we're not really going to be afraid of Karma. We're not really going to be afraid of Najma. Like, it's it's going to be these people who think that they're doing the right thing, who are following this insane American psychosis way of life. And um, I just felt like it fell a little flat here because... And I'm not, and I know it's like a kids show, so it's not like they can just walk out of the finale with like a bunch of dead kids, you know. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure how to do it. So unfortunately, I'm just coming here with problems and no solutions. Well, right? I but. think the the biggest problem was they they weren't given any anything more than the mustache twirling villain role yes. in this. And if they would have flushed them out a little bit more, or maybe had mentioned them in a previous series maybe we would have more context is making them less i don't know whatever well, what we could have seen villain is it's if there was time we could have seen them actually taking down real you know superpowered threats that were a threat right you'd be right. like okay so they do have a mission that makes sense like people with powers can yeah. be scary so, like a la the boys yeah and then we also could have seen them even more oppressing people who maybe don't have powers or just are perceived to right, right? so like but we again like they're just like a a, a, a replacement villain it's right. like these are bad guys just go with it and then that's it I yeah wonder... they were like not they were too car- cartoonish yeah uh, but then also not like cartoonish enough in a way it was almost like they didn't have a good tone set I, I wonder if they're gonna have some tie-in with the she-hulk series since she's a defense attorney and there would be an ah. obvious like oh. rub there. So I think I think maybe we may. I hope. I, look, I I don't want these guys yeah. just to appear and then disappear and be like, okay, this had no. This was just the MacGuffin the entire time, which is fine. But like, come on. Um, but mm, yeah, I think I, I think She Hulk may uh, might shed some light on this. Well. I just, like, they never explained what they did. Like, they sort of did, but they never really explained who these people were, what their real role was. We've never seen them before. We've never heard of them before. Uh, yeah. And they didn't, like, fill that backstory. So mm-hmm. hopefully they will fill that gap. Like you guys just said, in She-Hulk, maybe. It, who knows? But it was just, conf- like, that type of the magic, those were, like, yeah. the two, I think, most confusing aspects. You, of- you know how it could have worked? You know how it could have worked? At the very end, it could have been uh, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus picking up the phone being like, you're fired, get out of there, You're in- and you're in trouble. And, like, you could see the horror on her face, like, oh, no, I just pissed off Val. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to point out one of the, uh, again, things that I did like about it, which was the Easter egg of the Halal and Hamram baseball caps yeah. that Bruno yeah. and uh, Kamran have on when they're fleeing from the uh, the mosque, which were, those little details were cute. And that's the thing is, that especially after talking to Bisha, you realize, okay, she got away with putting so much of her own personality and so much of her own approach to the show. And that's what it feels very personal, right? It feels like, it doesn't feel like a, 
you know, a carbon copy of, a, of what you'd expect, like in an origin story, as you said, Norm. Um, so uh, that being said, I'm very much with Emilia on this episode. I, I said I didn't really enjoy this one as much as I did the previous one because it did feel like it kind of was like trying to be like put a, a traditional ending of the origin story onto the onto the layered over this, uh, like wrapping up all everything. And, and we learned how she got her name. We learned how she got her outfit. Right. Um so we kind of got their traditional layer of what you would expect with some of those cool little details. Um, but I'll say the one thing that this show did, as well as Hawkeye, that I'm super impressed with Marvel, is that now if I see, uh, when I see Miss Marvel pop up in the Marvels, which they teased at the end of this, uh, I already love her, right? Like right, I know yep. who her character is. So even if this series itself I, you know, might not be my, my favorite of all the different ones they've been putting out, I fell in love with this character and like now I know her and now there's like depth to her that plop her into any new storyline and it comes mm-hmm. preloaded with all of that. Just like as, uh, you know, Kate Bishop, like yeah. you, mm-hmm. I see Kate Bishop in a show. I'm going to be like, I'm really interested in watching this. And now I'm going to like curious to see how she's going to interact. Like the two of them interacting yeah. would be really fun to see. And that's what Marvel's doing so expertly that it's kind of getting lost in the noise. I'm like, even if you don't love each of these episodes or these series, like you now have what they used to do on a feature film. You have six episodes to explore even more in depth, the character and the backstory and all that. So that when they have those interactions moving forward, you're just going to, you know, have so much more context to who these people are. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Uh, I think, I think I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, uh, that, I, I was leaving like, it to you to bring there, up. There, there, there's two. There's actually two of them in the room. Um, one that I can talk to Bridget about. And one I can talk to Lucas about. Sorry, Emilia. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you get nothing. Bridget. Uh, this kind. This moment, like, it came out of nowhere a little bit, but I loved it because it's from the comic books where she's on the ground and she goes embiggen, <laughs> and then she gets her her comic like like you see her actual comic book powers, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was sitting next to my wife, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, there it is. It's there now. It's Ms. Marvel. There we go." And I thought that was a yeah. really good like moment. The only problem I had was her saying "embiggen" just came out of nowhere. There was no context yeah. to it. It was just like, "Oh, by the way, embiggen." I'm like, even those of us who didn't have that context, though, like when she said that, I was just sort of like. I I'm sensing significance yes, here. Yes, it's straight from the comic books. That was her, like her. Whenever she would like, pretty much activate her powers, she'd be like, "Embiggen," and then like start yes. like punching well, stuff and whatnot. That's great. the thing. Like I was waiting for the big power reveal. Like I was waiting for like her to get like fully enveloped and be able to do everything. Um, but then I was like, "How did she know to say that?" Like how did that's she what know I'm that? saying. Like, like, like I don't understand. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if there was an edited scene uh, or part of the scene where, like, her father is like, blah blah blah, and then when you do this, you embiggen or something like that. I was like waiting for that, and then like, like, maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, so it just like, came from nowhere. And I was like, man, it's still it was still a really cool moment for me being knowing the comic books, but it just seemed like come out of nowhere here. But yeah, it's still great. it definitely came out of nowhere. Um. And I wasn't sure. I, I think it ended up looking good, like how they did it. Like I liked how it looked. Um, it definitely like looked a bit freaky when she was like had like the glow and she was bigger, but like her head was still normal. Like it did, did look a little bit uh, odd. That was kind of comic, comic book style. Yeah, it so. definitely was, but it was comic accurate. Yeah. So like I, I don't like it, but I no, I didn't mind it. Is what I should say. But I loved the moment where she like 
you know, punches through and the big hands come out and she punches like the cannon and the truck and then she goes over to the truck and she's like, Are you guys okay? Yeah, the we're double like, dunk yeah, and we're then... fine, Miss Marvel. <laughs> or no, they 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 still call her nightlight there? Oh nightlight, Miss Nightlight. Yeah, Miss Nightlight. Ugh, I hate that. Name. And she's like, No, please I'm don't say that. Miss Light. Miss Light, yeah. Um so, it's like it's nightlight. Don't say that. <laughs> um, so that's the one elephant in the room. And then the other elephant in the room, Lucas, uh, was the guitar riff that happens on Bruno's reveal. And so I, I wrote Norm on Slack as soon as I finished watching this episode just to be like, oh, man, like, what is his where's Norm going to fall, fall on this? Because part of me got really excited but at the same time was like, what did I just witness? Like, they obviously are teasing. Should we spoil it for Bridget and Emily? Yes. So the guitar okay. riff that happens is from the X-Men 90s cartoon. It's on, Which we had posted on our Twitter, the theme song. As one of the best theme songs Wait, ever. Yes. When Bruno tells Norm's the is the best. I say it's Batman the Animated Series. But. So, so uh, Bruno says, hey, um. Just so you know, uh, I was doing some more look into you and your genetics, and there's a mutation. And then you hear, and so she, so right now it seems like Marvel is retconning Ms. Marvel to be a mutant instead of inhuman, and I actually don't like it. Yeah, so let's get your take on it, because I've, I've heard both arguments now from people saying, like, thank God they finally just got rid of the Inhumans thing, because it no. was a failure, and they should never have done so, it. They should just stayed with X-Men, stay with mutants. So, I like, let, let me put it this way. I don't care, really, where her powers come from. Um, like, I just want them to be personal to her. Uh, my problem being is, one, Kevin Feige is just proving that he hates the Inhumans and does not want to talk about them at all, which I think is a big mistake. And I think if you're going to have a failure, own up to it, redo it, get it better, learn from your mistakes, don't run away from them. And that's what I feel like they're doing here. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, the reason why I really, really hate it. Later on, Kamala has this absolutely fantastic run in the comic books with her and one of the Inhumans, um, sort of known as Lockjaw who is this giant dog that can teleport. And it's an absolute amazing run. It's adorable. It is poignant. It is it is great. And I feel like we're going to get robbed. Of, uh, we're robbed of the potential of having that now. And I don't like that. Well, let me ask this, though. Black Bolt is an Inhuman. Correct. Black Bolt was in He's the, king of the Multiverse of Madness. So the Inhumans still exist in some universe. They had the, they had so- the uh, Inhumans television show. Exactly. So, like, what? I'm just confused. Why? What? What is the point of making Miss Marvel a mutant, whereas they have all these other mutant storylines well, and stories? That's the only thing that I'm confused and don't see why. But maybe there is more of a strategy that we're missing. We don't know yeah. yet. Um, so I'm gonna withhold completely judging. It just to me seems a little messy because not only is she already like half gin, she's all like she's all these other things right, that yeah, are yeah. great for a character, fine. But then now she's also a mutant. That's where I was like, this is getting a little sloppy here. Like, what? Explain, please, is how I feel. I, I um, would go ahead, Bridget. Well, weren't they going the mutant route with in WandaVision with Monica, right? Or like they when she Rambo? Like, walked, yeah, like they wasn't she a mutant? No, like, I, I thought I thought her mind? walking through the she just got photonized. Yeah, I would say I thought her walking through the uh, the bubble too many times or the hex gave her the powers. Yeah. yeah, but wasn't that like now she's a mutant because her genes mutated? I don't th- no. Um, 
that that's a mutate. <laughs> um, when you forcibly do it, it's a mutate. When you do it, when it does We're naturally, splitting hairs here. Yeah, guys. I mean, hey. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the other thing that like is kind of bothering me is that the it would have been fine had they not played the guitar riff. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. like, like I love, uh, I cannot stress how much I love that theme song. Like, I absolutely love it. You say, uh, like, oh, there, there's like a, like, I don't know, there's something like a, a, a mutagen or, or like, you know, you have this mutant type thing. They could have let that go and you could still be like, mm-hmm. well, technically the Inhumans have a slightly different DNA structure and therefore... That's true. You know, it's it can, triggered yeah, by the the Terrigen the Mist, gas, and you can let it. You could have let it go, but they put the guitar riff in, and you're like, "Nope, one hundred percent that me, that signals yeah. she's an X Men." This could have been a good more ambiguity. Could have been better because then we'd discuss it, but not have an answer. And I think that's maybe why we're getting a little heated. And also, I'm conf- even more confused. I'm like, if they left it a little hazy, like we could put in some theories, and then they'll let it play out. Instead, they're it seems so definitive that it's almost like I, you know, I was a little disappointed. And I told Norm I giggled when they played the song, which is probably not a good sign. As much as it's a comedy show in many regards, like I shouldn't be laughing at the show. I should be laughing with the show. <laughs> I, I, I just loved it because, again, I love, I love hearing it. I'm like, yeah. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> well, there's another elephant. There's a third there, elephant in the room really... that we have not fully discussed. Uh, should we go into that? Yes. With the final closing, closing credit. Yeah, the final. Oh, yes. So, who wants to set this one up? Because I feel like I just well, talked a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up with a follow up story because I had this spoiled for me. Um. So at the end of that post, the post credit scene, uh, all of a sudden Kamala's like laying in her bedroom, and she stands up, and her bracelet starts like going all funky and it's getting all weird and all of a sudden you just see this like go and it like she just like kind of disappears into this little thing and all she like disapparates disapparates and you see like someone go like through her closet wall um like it breaks the wall down and all of a sudden you see carol danvers captain marvel step through and she's looking around looking around and she's like oh no so basically, it seems like they switch spots. Uh, Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, wherever Captain Marvel was, Kamala is now, and Captain Marvel is now where Kamala was. Can we talk? Yeah. Yes, and I had to be a real shock to like all of a sudden show up into a room that had just a bunch of drawings and posters of you. No, I would assume I was kidnapped. <laughs> exactly right by some crazy stalker. Yes. Yeah. Um, I got big questions too. The the biggest question is. When when is this? And when did Carol Danvers grow her hair out? Did thank you, that? thank you. I was thinking the same thing. That's okay. the first thing that I thought of. Can, is this time travel? Can, can can we remember that you know, hair grows and that people go away for a time? And this is a little bit after Endgame, and we don't know if her powers. Yeah, but why would she grow it out? She like she looked so good with it. She probably kept it up. I know she got real hate for she's that. She's very haircut, so maybe she's very busy. Yeah, yeah. There there is something to remember crew that we did see her in the post credit scene of Shang-Chi. Yes. And I don't know. I still am so confused on all the timelines because also in the Shang-Chi post credit scene, Bruce Banner was normal Bruce Banner. Yeah, he no was not Smart Hulk. Hulk. But then in She-Hulk, we're getting Smart Hulk again, and it's just confusing. I think, I think in She-Hulk, we're going to see a little bit more of like Banner going between the uh, 
I hope not too much because I really wanted to focus on She-Hulk, but I think they're going to touch on They have to touch on that. Okay. I think they have um, to. Wait a minute. Yeah. If her hair was short at the defeat of... Sorry, I'm not over this. At the defeat of Thanos. <laughs> mm-hmm. How long... In, uh, in Shang-Chi, how long has it been? Uh, Maybe like at least a year or two. Yeah, it's, it's been a year or two. And then... I'm like sus that her hair can grow back that quickly. She's a superhero. Eh, no. I could see that. Yeah, but we don't know. That's not like... It's not like canon that, you know, your hair grows faster when like... Yeah, I agree. I agree with Emily on this. Look, look. Steve Rogers went away for like a year, came back with long hair and a big bushy beard. beard. Yeah, he long had way hair less man, hair though. though. Come on, for a man, that's like Super barely different. anything. For no, no, a woman, no, no. She's got, she went from no, 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 like a no, no, buzz, no, it's not. Buzz on the back to he, long hair at the. He shoulders. went from hair like mine to hair that you could pull back in a ponytail. And let me tell you, I didn't cut no, my it hair. It was not yes. that long. It was not that long. Yes, it was. Also, Carol Danvers has more hair than that. Yes, Maybe those are so extensions. Much more hair. <laughs> putting it out there also as someone who has had short hair for a really long time but the reason i have not grown it out is because it takes so freaking long i I went for an entire year with covid not getting a haircut and it was to a point where i was barely able to look like like how steve rogers looked in infinity war i know it takes a while i I agree with you so you're saying yeah so you're agreeing with us that it's unrealistic that but 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 at the same time i don't know what no you just agreed. You agreed with us. You proved yeah. your own point. You... No, no, no. Steve's on Earth. I don't know what's out there in space. Maybe she went to a hair salon out there that can magically grow your hair longer. I don't. No, know by the way, if she's going to space, if she's traveling, like, if she's I traveling she's close in, to the speed uh, of light, time will slow down for her. So her hair should be growing even shorter. Because if she's traveling very fast, like the the faster you move towards the speed of light, the slower your time will move. Right. That's what so I'm again, saying. Like, then everyone's, but then everyone's hair would be all like crazy lengths, like depending on if they go to Guardians space of the Galaxy, they would they... like, who knows? This is what I mean. The, yeah, they got to get their math the right. They got to get their physics right. I'm so over this. I'm done with Marvel. Nobody blinks an eye that <laughs> Thor has a full mane right now and be in like Endgame. He was... It's, it's established that he has magical. He hair, also though. put on how much weight in like. A, a oh, it's short okay for Thor to have magical hair powers, but not Ms. Marvel or Captain He's Marvel. A god. Oh god. <laughs> I I just I think you guys are wrong. I think Emilia and I are correct, and we win this argument. Um, but anyway, really, wait, what I'm we're trying gonna... to say is we miss the short hair. No, that's yes, what you're yes. saying. Hey, I like the I, short hair so better. Personally, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to shift gears before <laughs> okay. we continue our game because I need to tell you guys that this extra credit scene was 100% spoiled for me, like without even trying by Marvel. They spoiled it. So what happened was the show came out Wednesday, right? Miss Marvel new episodes every Wednesday. So I didn't get a chance to watch it Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon before I went to work. But I go to work at 11 o'clock at night and they have a commercial on ABC for, you know, last episode, season finale of Miss Marvel streaming. And in the commercial, don't they show the post credit scene? In the commercial, in the commercial Ooh. for the season Ew. finale. Like, I thought there were laws against that. Bad taste. Bad form. Who does bad that? form. Who I was pretty upset. I'm not gonna lie. That you don't spoil the post credit scene. All I know is the look on her face should have been more a little bit more horrific than it was when she was looking around that room. Because if I would have been that, I would have been like, "Oh my god, is this misery? Did I get 
Yeah. Am I am I am I about to get my ankles broke? I don't know, man. I just was like I got burned. Marvel burned me. You did get you yeah. got torched and that's annoying and I, I mean, it was spoiled for me because of the internet and but that's on me cuz Yeah, but know, like I expect the internet's a the dangerous internet. place. I expect the internet. Exactly. I have low standards for the internet. <laughs> I have high standards for primetime television. For broadcast you television. Know, you maybe don't maybe do your, all broadcast television your standards is now. there shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you work for the news. You know all they do is cut to tweets and Reddit on the news. So, come on. I was very upset. Okay. It's let's let move soon. let's not lose sight of what we're supposed to be discussing with the Captain Marvel reveal is that it's teasing the marvels right so can we get some fan theories here norm of like what do you expect is going to happen now with the marvels what does that even mean the marvels uh yeah versus young avengers yeah we're we're going to uh uh, you know the movie's coming out next year i believe um and it's going to be starring uh monica rambo um carol danvers and now kamala khan uh, what the plot will be, I don't know. I'm actually very interested in it. It's kind of Is it weird. based on a pre-existing Mar- Marvel's property? Not, not that I've had the pleasure of reading, so I'll, I'll have to go back and look, but I not, nothing that I'm aware of. And the fact that it seems like they might have swapped places brings up some interesting questions. Oh yes, you mean phys- physically? Yeah, like physically have swapped. I'm assuming yeah. that's that's what I'm assuming. I'm I'm assuming Carol Danvers is on Earth and now. Kamala Khan's somewhere out in uh, space, which might be cool. Like maybe uh, Carol's like, oh, I have to go find where she was, and maybe she teams up with uh, Monica and and goes goes yeah. to get Kamala. Maybe that's what we're going. I I just like can't wait for the Kamala Carol interaction. Because Kamala's going to be, like, geeking out and speaking a million thousand miles per hour. And, you know, yeah. Captain Marvel's just going to be like, what? It's going to be really fun when they meet because that. You know what they say, though? Never meet your idols. <laughs> Never meet your heroes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Is Sam Jackson going to be in the Marvels? I feel like he should be. He's it's... in secret. In, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen him and we need to see him again. Just because I, I love him. But um, both Nick Fury and... Samuel Jackson. But all in all, all right, well, we like the series. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I, I definitely like the series, mm-hmm. but you know, I wouldn't say it was my favorite one. Although, as I said earlier, like I fell in love with Miss Marvel, so it mission accomplished. Yeah. Really, I know she's awesome. Yeah, I agree. This isn't my favorite. It's by far not my least favorite. It's still not Loki, and I will not let that go. <laughs> okay. I loved Loki. Okay. I'm going to keep saying that in response to until everybody knows it. Look, look, there's a chance, an off chance, that after season two, if everything wraps up for Loki, that I will like Loki as a whole. But right now, it's incomplete. It makes no sense. I don't like it. That's not what it's about, man. Oh, don't, don't give me, don't get, oh, it's free jazz. You got to be listening to the notes that are not playing. No, uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Bridget, what about you? This is my favorite series. I didn't think anything could top WandaVision, truly. I don't think anything will ever top the viewing experience of WandaVision. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there will – it's going to be hard to top any experience like that, and I think it just has to do with timing, the pandemic, just Mm -hmm. the collective fan base as a whole, like, coming together to watch that series. Uh, But – you that's not it's not a rewatchable series it's hard because you know everything was just like yeah like it was all about piecing the clues together so now that you know what happens 
when you go back and watch it, it doesn't hit no. the same. WandaVision's that classic yeah. you can't go home thing. Like you, yeah. you experienced it once, you can't go back. It's gone. It's, it's, it's 100% gone. gone. But I will cherish those memories, yeah. though. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. So that experience as a whole, easily my most favorite Marvel I agree experience. With you. But at the end of the day, uh, Miss Marvel was my favorite series. Well, very soon we are going to do a whole rating of all the different Marvel shows so we can get in-depth into our all of our opinions. And it sounds like it's going to be very different. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of clashing, and I'm excited for that because um, I don't think my favorite equals everybody else's um, and my least That's favorite. That's the thing about Phase 4, right, that I think that uh, it's getting a lot of hate for. Just be- It's getting a lot of hate <laughs> for... They're doing so many different yeah. things. It's getting a, ha- a lot of hate for something good that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It, I, this is. I guess we'll get into it then because yeah. I really want to talk about how I think what they're successfully doing with Phase Four that seems to be missed by most of the critics. Yes, and it's driving me crazy. Actually, critics. it's really frustrating. I don't feel like the critics are your are average really fans. I'm thinking it's just your average <laughs> yeah. fans who just don't understand what's going on here. No, I do kind of feel attention. like the critics have been missing a little too. Really? Though, on, uh, maybe I don't know. There's like many. What what is the critic right? right like yeah. that maybe I'm just looking at the wrong sources, but I meant people like us who have con- produced content and put it out into the world. Well, not I mean, just there, there's still it. a lot of people like that. So then, I'm, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Then most critics are missing it too. But yeah, because uh, but we we haven't we've we understand the assignment. Oh, I'm picking up what they're yeah. putting down. We're the right, we're right. You should listen to us. Exactly, only. Only, um, Emily and I. Only Emily and I. We understand <laughs> what's going us. on out there. We've talked about it. We 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 understand what what's what's brewing. We got All it. We have to. Don't forget. We have a lot life. to say about the hair. Oh. Does that thing come with a mute button? Well, I'm sorry, no, I do not. I had that plastic thing removed during my vacation at Chernobyl. Hmm. You know, you don't remember much after that holiday. Getting some weird deja vu. <sighs> yeah, of of Robo side. <laughs> so, all right. So, well, so, shall we wrap up and move on to our Star Trek Academy? Yes, please. I want to. Uh, time for class. <laughs> Darn. It's the Admiral. The Admiral. Fun's over. Yeah. All right. Let's get to class. All right, class. Grab your seats. Put your communicators on silent. We're about to begin. I'm Admiral Longacre, and today marks the last session of The Versus Star Trek 101, coverage of Strange New Worlds. Let's discuss the finale and prepare for the final exam. Um, I'm sorry, what? Uh, t- did you, oh. by the way, did you do your homework assignment, Bridget? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, the did homework you send assignment. Did email about this? Yeah, I, I didn't definitely see this in did. Slack. Um, I... So I definitely did it. A Quality of Mercy is the finale you were supposed to watch. And then part of your homework assignment was to watch the original series, um, uh, an uh, episode that I had particularly assigned to you. Um, I'm sorry. I saw no such assignment. That was extra credit. <laughs> oh, no. That was, cr- that was uh, full on the, uh, the homework assignment. So I clearly did not understand the assignment because I did not do the assignment. <laughs> okay. Well... Let's uh, we'll table that. Yeah, the the episode that I assigned as an addendum, as you know, your homework assignment was Balance of Terror. So the reason I assigned that is the episode you just watched, A Quality of Mercy from Strange New Worlds, is a remake of Balance of Terror. But instead of it being uh, Kirk and crew, James T. Kirk as the captain, it is Pike. So 
watching these two episodes together is really will make it a better viewing experience. That being said, I'm actually very interested to hear what you felt about it without having that context. And then I will fill it in for you. Okay. Okay. So what happens in this episode is that uh, Captain Pike is visited by his future self to warn him that by changing his fate of not, you know, getting burned miserably and potentially dying and being disfigured, uh, saving the lives of some of his future, uh, you know, ships and peoples, uh, he will end up actually creating more chaos, death, and destruction for the universe. Um, and then we get to see it play out as uh, in the future Enterprise that Captain Pike is, you know, still commanding he ends up going to the neutral zone where there's all these outposts are being destroyed by this uh, romulan enemy who they've never actually seen in person uh and then it's him playing a cat and mouse game of trying to you know get this ship and destroy it before it gets back to the neutral zone um so that's essentially balance of terror is that same story except that it's james t kirk commanding and so we actually get a little surprise visit from James Kirk in this, uh, who shows up, who is not the captain of the Enterprise. So this actually isn't uh, the same same Kirk that we have from the original series. This is a different Kirk from a different timeline. So, uh, you know, it's a very tense episode. It, I think it actually plays really well into the theme that Norman and I have discussed this over and over again, how Pike is becoming our favorite captain because he seems to have all these qualities that make all the captains we love he has some of the cooking like cisco and how the camaraderie with the parents for uh, cisco's from deep space nine um he has a lot of the james t kirk swagger at times he also has some of the janeway you know uh how he the the love and affection he shows for his crew members uh and the trust he puts into him so he's kind of like the best of all captains but what happens when even though he's one of the best captains he's just the wrong person for the job and that's what we get to see. Like, it's no diss on his skills. It's just that the right person for that job, turns out, would have been James Kirk. And there's something really fascinating and, and great about that concept that's like, you know, it, make, it made me realize what they had been doing with Pike throughout this entire season. Uh, and, it, and it also is this idea that it's allowing him to then accept his fate in a way where it's like, uh, you can't save everybody, right? That we've talked about as the choice yeah. of a captain. Like, you have to make these hard decisions, so in some ways, he's going to have to sacrifice these, some of these people uh, so that, you know, the, 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 the needs of the many will outweigh the needs of the few, uh, which is actually a really good callback that happens in this episode. Uh, so anyway, what were your impressions of it? Well, Anyone? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And again, though, I think that I struggle with the fact that like, I, I haven't seen any other Star Trek before this, so when these, like, characters come back, like, I don't fully grasp the significance of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about, when we talked about the season finale of Obi-Wan, like, how do people watch the Obi-Wan series without us seeing the prequels? Like, I, I can't, can't compute, does not work. So I kind of understand that here. It's like, I can still enjoy it, but at the end of the day, like, I think it only hits for me so far, because it's like, I don't understand the significance of it if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah completely for this that's why i was like you should maybe go back and watch balance <laughs> of terror because it'll fill in all this <laughs> because what they really do. truly do so you know when the couple's getting married at the beginning yes that same thing happens with pike so it's like he's overseeing that marriage yeah oh. and so you know all these different story points that happen you get to see how pike handles it as opposed to kirk 
And it's like, it, but it'll really make you have so much more appreciation of how James T. Kirk is as an actual captain if you go back and watch Balance of Terror. Because it's not the Kirk that's made it through pop culture history who's like this, you know, total brash, swaggering jerk. No, he's like a really good commander. And it's like watching him have to, like, allow his crew to survive through this super tense battle is like, it's truly one of the best episodes of the original series that they did a phenomenal job of translating and making it fresh and relevant. So, um, did you guys have any questions about the episode? Anything that seemed weird or odd or, you know, confusing? Well, I don't know about, well, maybe questions. Um, I, I really like this episode. I don't know that I enjoyed it as much as the rest of the series, but I think that's like, to be expected because I think season finales are like, they're not always the things you're going to go back and be like, yeah, "Yeah, let me watch that again. They're not always the best um, episodes. Right. Even if they are the ones, even if they like move things forward the most or um, have the most action, sometimes they are, but um, this one was like a lot heavier compared to the rest. And I think there was like this existential dread that kind of weighed the whole thing down in a good way. But just, it made it, like, a more difficult watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my question is, so he's not, like, time traveling. He's just going, like, his, but he is still living that, like, is it like a simulator? No, I think he t- Actually, that's a good way of thinking of it, is he was able to experience that time, uh, you know, that timeline, but then he's back. So it's like, that maybe did happen in another, or will happen in another reality, another universe. Um, but by him making decisions now back in his real time, uh, that, that reality won't happen. Time travel. Man. <laughs> so the time can, stone. Well, so if, so if you remember, he had that time stone that, so that's what allowed him to then jump through. And honestly, even though Star Trek tends to be pretty based in science fact, like even their warp drives, all this stuff is based on actual science and physics. I mean, it's at that point magic because we don't know what yeah. people will be able to do. Star Trek definitely has like a magical whimsical thing like there's just science explains it and it makes no sense oh. so but the time crystal is what enabled him to jump through time to experience this other reality and then jump back I mean Asimov's law right any yeah. any high sophisticated technology will be indistinguishable from magic to the uh, correct the primitive mm-hmm. mind um, wait so then does that mean that uh, that he like older Pike probably did to run through the exercise yes. of like simulating yes. all possible ways he could have dealt with the situation. And that's how we reached the conclusion at the end. Yes. Well, what happened was he knew what his fate was supposed to be and then intentionally changed it by writing that kid and then did all these other steps to keep changing it. So he would survive and maybe, and try to save everyone. His whole thing was like, which is essentially the Kirk answer to the Kobayashi Maru, like in face of ultimate defeat, like, he tried to find a way around it, and the truth is there's no way around it, because even though he's going to make have these small victories of, like, saving this person, saving that ship, it ends up plunging the entire galaxy into war, because he's going to be commanded, he's going to be the captain of the Enterprise at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. They need a different man for the job, or woman, but this time man. And it's- but yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's funny you said all, the, all these different uh, timelines. It is kind of the, the multiverse of madness, right? Like, <laughs> He got to see what some of these other, you know, realities could be and realize how badly he was going to mess up by not, you know, accepting his fate. Right. So the idea was that, like, Kirk should be the captain right now. Like, ideally, yes. in the ideal world, that 
Kirkshire in, in that, in that in, setting, which is. Yeah, so that that took place, what, how long in the future? It was five years Seven. in the future, more? Seven, Seven years in the future. So, you know, he was still commanding uh, the captain of the Enterprise seven years from them, and that would have really detrimental. Oh, Whereas it would have been detrimental for Pike to Pike be to have been, yeah. Home. Yes. Because you needed to be Kirk. Even though, we, as we said, he's a wonderful captain, and he's makes the right call most of the time, but even if you're great at your job, doesn't mean you're the right person for this situation. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that I didn't like about this episode though all of a sudden Ortega's seems like she's really angry about like you don't know what happened seven seven years is a long time to change a lot of people and you go from mm-hmm. Ortega's being this like more lighthearted and playful and, and skilled individual to like she's very angry it seems at the uh, the Romulans and you don't mm-hmm. know you don't have that context and I was like, man, like they're really pushing her. And then you, you assigned uh, the homework, and I watched Balance of Terror, and I was like, oh, she's, she's just place, mim- yes. she's just mirroring what the uh, the helmsman then was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because we talked about this in earlier episodes, Spock in this case scenario, Spock does do a mind meld, right? Or right? No. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yep. That's what it's called. Yeah, because because uh, uh, Pike's like, I know you don't want to believe me, but quick, do a yeah. mind meld with me, and you'll see I'm telling the truth. Yeah, because I was like confused for a while between the mind meld and the vul- vul- what is it, the Vulcan, Vulcan neck pinch. pinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> no, so the yes, I for a second I thought you were referring to the original uh, Balance of Terror episode. So what one of the reveals in this is that the Romulans are an offshoot of Vulcans. So the idea is Vulcans suppress their emotions because they were so horribly vi- vicious and violent that they're like, we need to like tamp that down. And the Romulans are, you know, and that's the big reveal in the original Balance of Terror. Nobody had seen the Romulans. They fought these battles with nuclear weapons over, you know, thousands of light years, right? So they never actually saw them up close. And so when they finally get their first image of it, it's a Vulcan. It looks like a Vulcan. So the in Balance of Terror, there's the, the, the person that um, Norm is referring to is the helmsman who is like, totally racist against against Romulans because a lot of his family was killed during those wars. So he, like, doesn't trust Spock even because he's like, wait a second. He look looks at, like uh, him. You know, look, yeah, exactly. Like, this is the same race as you. And it turns out, and then what's cool is how logical Spock is. He's like, you, cannot, you can't show mercy to these people because, you know, if they are Vulcans without the emotional training, like, they're, if you show any weakness, they will, like, take that as a sign of to attack. Yeah. Which is cool. He's not going to allow racism to get in the way of his logic, right? Um, whereas the the helmsman is just completely kind of wrong and and messes things up a lot because he's so blinded by his hatred for um, Romulans that he then projects onto the Vulcans. It's a really cool episode for that reason. If you think about it, it came out during the Cold War as well, where we're trying to work with allies, and it just came off of you know a, a lot of tension where it's like you don't know. Things could escalate, and nuclear war would kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's hanging over the 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 '60s version, and so it makes a lot of sense in context when you go back and watch it. But then when you when you watch this episode, you know they kind of play around with what it was like then. And and it's funny, Norm, you said that. And I, you know, I'm going to give the episode some slack in regards of how Ortega's was happening because we don't know what happened in yeah, those seven, seven years. years and that's Tons. not it's a different timeline too and that's the thing is I was reading a lot of blowback on the portrayal of James T. Kirk and even the actor when he was interviewed was like oh I felt I had total license because this isn't the James T. Kirk 
that he's actually commanding the Farragut. Yeah. So if you know that storyline, it's like everybody almost dies on the Farragut. So like, which he ends up saving in the, the other timeline. But in this one, no, he's still there. So it's like, it's not the same Captain Kirk. It's what he's not captaining the Enterprise. He's captaining the Farragut. He's had a lot of different stuff happen to him. Yeah. Learned a lot of different lessons. So it's like, uh, and that's one of the things I appreciate about this episode is that it's not really, it's the multiverse of madness, yeah. right? It's like, it's not really reality. It's a, a, a layer of it. Um, anyway, that's why the homework assignment would have maybe made your viewing experience a little better. And I do highly recommend still, like, if you want an entry point into the original series, that's a great episode, especially balanced with what we just watched, because it'll give you some backstory and fill in some of those other characters. And it also is a good, like, a companion to this episode. All right. Well, I thought this was a, I mean, it, I know we're not, we're just talking about the finale, but in, in general, I thought this was a great season. And I, you know, especially because when we started this whole conversation, I was very skeptical so mm-hmm. i was like maybe i don't like space yeah i don't know i don't feel like i didn't feel all that excited but the uh and i've been comparing this non-stop to doctor who which is probably kind of annoying but no which <laughs> i don't know that's what's really drawing no me that in. that's one of the things i i think we said in the very first uh first episode that i was interested in your take on this because whovians and star trek seem like they should be able to mesh really well because they're kind of along the same lines of how they approach episodes and things. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was really interested to see how you were going to go about this um, for that reason. And Bridget, because obviously Star Trek versus Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, though. So one of the things that why Pike is essential that he is not the captain here is because Spock ends up getting injured and almost dies, which is going to all these adventures that Spock will have that essentially saves the universe over and over and over again are not going to happen now. So there was something about that, that did that land for, for all of you? Because if you haven't watched all those adventures, it probably isn't as big of a deal to be like, you can't kill Spock now. Like he's got to save the universe a thousand times. Well, I just like, like Spock. So obviously I didn't want Spock to die, but like the (laughs) way, like again, the stakes that, yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't grasp that. I mean, do they know that they can just jettison jettison him out in space and then find him again later and he'll be okay? But but that's only if they defeat Khan. So maybe they don't defeat, they won't defeat Khan this time. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh my mind. god. See, yeah. this, you just start thinking about it, projecting it all the times. And when the 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 the, the probe comes to find the the whales, uh, right? Yeah, they're all going to yeah, die yeah. then. Just, like it, no, listen, wow. Spock is integral to the to the fabric of the universe. So So much anyway. hinges on one one Vulcan. Yes. One half this man. This is like um the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It's like a fixed point in space. Ah, uh, yeah. One in, in the Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I guess it's a little different because those you literally cannot change. Um, like yes, because they're fundamental to the fabric of the universe, but also no matter how hard you try, they're unchangeable. Right. All right. Well, if that's all the thoughts and of this episode, just this episode, we're not going to get into the series till afterwards. Then. You should put your phasers down, uh, and now it's time for the final exam. If you pass, you'll reach the versus cadet status, and if you fail, you know, no big deal. You just have to wrestle a Gorn. Okay, good. No big... Wait. Wait, what? All right, all right, listen. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to make sure you're paying attention. Uh, So this test is going to be fun, and it'll test your knowledge, but, you know, of Star Trek, but it'll also 
see where you fall on the Star Trek fan scale. So why don't we begin with some easy trivia? And remember, all of this was covered on the verse in previous episodes. So if you're paying attention in class, you should ace this no problem. I have a bad memory. <laughs> Can I apply for uh, like a... A written exam? Test adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> you, want it, you want it to be weighted? No. <laughs> I have more faith in you, I think, than you have in yourself. Wait a second. Wait just a second. If we're going to be doing trivia, it's time for the host with the most, the man with no tan, the guy who asked the wise, Wince Mockingdale. All right. Wait a minute. You're not supposed to be here. Who left the door open? Whoops. Well, that'd be me. I was just checking out the old donut open, and I found myself the most wonderful lass. Her name's Dorothy. Oh, man. Don't tell me you stirred her up again. Well, it weren't no pig squeal. We just sat down for a bowl of chili. She told me some stories. And she mentioned the lot of you and a whole lot of Barney Rubble. Sounds delightful. Oh man, that's not good. Enough with all the door talk. It's time for Trek Trivia. Grab your buzzers and let's go. No, 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 no. This is my show. You tell him, Admiral. Bert, take care of him. Alright, now stop walking, you tip-top talking little bugger. Watch the language, Bert. Me apologies, little lady. Let's go, bloke. I'm Wince Mockingtail. No one touches okay, me. Okay, now that that's cleared up. Not twice on one show. I sick. said, now that that's cleared up, let the testing begin. Okay, round one. We're going to alternate between the two of you, Bridget oh and then Emilia. Um, <laughs> to see who goes first, we're going to guess how many episodes of TNG were in its original run. Bridget, throw out a guess? number. This is just to see who goes first. This isn't on the test. Yeah. Oh, um, how many? Are, yeah, this is just to see who goes first. In the original series, mm-hmm. seventy-two. All right, Amelia, sixty. Wow, if we're going by okay. uh, Price's Right rules. Yeah. Well, the the Bridget <laughs> wins because the, there was actually one hundred and seventy-eight. Um, <laughs> So Bridget was closest, even though she was way off. Uh, that ran for seven seasons, and there was 26 episodes a season. So Yes. Oh, I was thinking whoa. it was probably like six or seven seasons, but I was thinking about modern TV. That's, what I was, that's like the math I was also episodes. trying to do, like 10 to 12 episodes. No, this, this, this is why Star Trek, essentially, yeah. <laughs> like but shorter this, seasons in the beginning, you know. But the thing is, like, this is why we love Star Trek, is because they had so many episodes. They're not all great. Mm. But even the worst ones have a, a place in my heart because yeah. some of those are the best episodes. They're so weird. Anyway, moving along. Okay, so Bridget, since you won, you'll be going first. And remember, this is for Strange New Worlds. Okay. And you watched all these episodes. Yes. Just recently. <laughs> all right. So question number and one. you have a photographic memory. And you do. This is a numbers question. Oh, Jesus. How long is the Enterprise's mission? Five years. Yes, correct. <laughs> All right, Emilia, would you have gotten that one correct? Maybe. I okay. Look, we've talked. I've I've said many times I have a really bad memory, but that doesn't make me less. Of a fan. Let me ask you this: Did you ever watch the intro to this show, which plays at every the, episode? Once at the start. These are the okay, voyages of the Star Trek that, Enterprise. Whose five-year mission? Your mission is to explore strange new worlds. Anyway. All right, question number two. Dun, dun. What is Ortega's position on the Enterprise? 
Emilia. Oh, we just went over this one. Mm-hmm. Helmsman. Correct. So you're both doing fine. You're just flying Helms through person? it for the easy question. <laughs> I think Helmsman is like the proper title of it. Min. Think of it Min, not man. Yeah, Helmsman. The gender neutral Min. M-I-N. <laughs> All right, Bibi, you're up. What species is Hemmer? It's very quiet. Is there an interruption in the transmission of subspace signals here? I'm I can't sorry. Hear um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> what species is Hemmer? And Hemmer is the uh, engineer. Blue skin, little Antennae. tentacles on his head. He's blind. Um, I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be a multiple choice, not short answer. Uh, <laughs> can I have four options, please? Well, em- Emilia could step in for the steal here. If you can't I, think of it. I have a guess, but I don't actually know for sure. All right, I'll lay down four options. <laughs> okay, Norm, thank you, number one. Are they a Vulcan, a Romulan, a Gorn, or an Andorian? A Romulan. I would have gotten it right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry, BB. Sorry, Bridget. That is incorrect. Emilia, do you want to fill Emilia, in Emilia, do you want to steal? Wait, what did Bridget say? Not she a said Romulan. Romulan. Yeah. Oh, Andorian. Yes. Correct. Uh, Do you remember on the episode where he sadly died, uh, we discussed how he was an Andorian and that his planet was cold. That's why oh, he like jumped yeah. off. And okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So I'm pulling these from the classes we've done previously. I I'm just... not trying to cheat or you okay. know stump you. Okay. Okay. Well, Emilia now, you know, show, is strong showing Emilia. So let's see how you do in this next one. What, it is, what is it called when Starfleet has an interaction with a new species that has discovered warp technology? Oh. We went over this to... in the first episode. I was say, this, is, this is going all the way back series. to the first episode. Episode number one. Oh, I know they have the protocol that they fall, which is like the... Although I don't think that's what this question is, an- is asking for. No, no it's, it's, it's what it is. Is it first contact and they have to follow the... The Imperative. prime directive. Prime directive, but you're but right. It is first contact. contact. <sighs> yeah. Ooh, so we're almost halfway through. And right now, just so you know, um, Emilia is at 3,846 points, and Bridget <laughs> is at negative 259. I got one question right. <laughs> That's not fair. The points are made well, up. Have, they make no. You have six more questions. So, you know, you, there's time to come back. Okay. That's okay. true. The last question could be worth like a million That's points. That's very true. Okay. All right. So, question number five. This is to you, Bridget. What was the first alien species to interact with humans? Oh. Was it the Vulcans? Correct. Yes. All right. So now you're out of negative. You have three points. I'm sweating. And Emilia now has 3,846. I'm sweating. I don't like losing. Okay. Emilia, this is... You like this episode, Emilia, that we're referring to. So let's see if you remember this. What is Spock's half-brother? Or, sorry, who is Spock's half-brother? Who, like, his name. Correct. What is the name of Spock's half-brother? His name is You even Cyborg. commented on... Yes, correct! Good! <laughs> wow, Emilia is a big Star Trek fan here. Dang. So now you're up to 7,540 points. Back Psst. to you, BB. Psst, Bridget. Bridget, yes. 
over here where Lucas can't hear us. Oh, yes. I mean, the Admiral. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. Will you write me I... a note for this next question? Because what if I don't know? Yeah, if I have it. Okay. <laughs> if oh. I have it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any of us to get blown out through the airlock. Wait, but also, if you have happen? any extra, if you, I, uh, it's, I, Norm said something about that, but he might have just been pulling my leg. <laughs> if you have any, like, I'm really, I've been really jonesing for some, for some extra breakfast. I'll so this comes toast. at a, this comes at a price. You want toast? I'll make you toast. If you help me pass, I'll give you toast. <laughs> I only have one question. Okay. Remember, keep your it's... eyes forward and on your tests. Is there jam with that? <laughs> yes. Okay, All question right. seven. Are Let's you ready, baby? Okay. Yep, I'm ready. I, my eyes are forward. My eyes are forward. I'm not talking okay. to my other classmates, exchanging answers uh, that may or may not result <laughs> Remember, in Remember, communicators on silent. Just be cool. Just be cool. <laughs> okay, in the episode Memento Mori, who attacks the Enterprise? The Gorn? Correct. Well done. Wow, you're up to 546 points. Now we're on to Emilia. So why does the Enterprise enter the neutral zone in Equality of Mercy? The episode you just watched. Are they responding to a distress call from an outpost? Correct. Wait, All right, it, so you, that looks like it. Your face is telling me that was only mildly correct. No, well, it, outpost <laughs> is destroyed, but they were dis- d- responding to a, a distress call. So you are correct. The, it's, you are technically correct, which detailed. is the best kind correct. of correct. <laughs> exactly. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. So now you're up to eight thousand four hundred and fifty points to Bridget's two hundred fifty. <laughs> I just All right, Bridget. wrong on this. <laughs> so. Bridget, what is Una hiding from Starfleet? Number one. Number one. Una. Played by Rebecca Romaine. What is Una hiding, Amelia? What is Una hiding? It's the GMOs. <laughs> She's genetically modified. <laughs> I'll ask again. What is Una hiding from Starfleet? She's not getting past customs. <laughs> Bridget, do you want to answer, or should we? Yes, no. I, I would to like to. I would like to answer this okay. truthfully. This came only from my brain because I knew the answer. Okay. Okay. Uh, the fact that she's genetically modified. Correct. <laughs> Which is against Starfleet regulations. Yeah, absolutely. I read nice, the handbook. Nice job, BB. I, I read it. I know all the answers. And that's why at the end of the in the season finale, she in, is taken into custody, which is very sad. And she didn't make it makes past me worried customs. about next season, season two. She couldn't make it past customs. No bonus points if you right. can, uh, name the race that's associated with. The... I'm sorry, you're not the admiral. I'm sorry, who are you? You're not the admiral. You don't get to ask questions. <laughs> no, but I like this. That's a great suggestion. Number one. What, so. Name the race. I refuse to answer. Valerian. I refuse to answer. <laughs> this is not part of the exam. This is against the law. It's, it's, it's against your religion is what you should. <laughs> well, Emilia, can you answer the question? Nope, she can't answer it because it's an illegal <laughs> question. It's not on the exam. 
uh, <laughs> Illyrian. Illyrian. Illyrian, that's correct. So then well, you are now done. you you that's stole that question. point that's from BB. So now BB's point is knocked down to minus one hundred fifty oh points. Uh, and they're at its use. Oh, so now you're up to nine thousand and fifty points. All right, and then hardcore. So unfortunately, Bridge is in the negative. So the if only you give way me that she neg- can take this back. Another negative point. I'm gonna toss the rum stash out the window. <laughs> no. So if if oh, Emily can't answer this one, you could steal. You could steal from it. You could steal from Emily if she doesn't answer this one and get all of her points. So let's see. Tension's on. Okay. What Vulcan practice allows them to share consciousness and can also help reveal emotional trauma? Oh, you know, <laughs> gee, that's a toughie. I think. It's, it's, one of two, it's one of two things that they've mentioned. <laughs> I'm t- I know the answer. I Perfect. think Admiral, I know the answer. Admiral, I know the answer. Is it the Vulcan nerve? No, no, it's the Vulcan mind meld. You idiot, Emily. Have you not paid attention to class? Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow, this swung the other way quick. Oh, my. Get any wow. butter with that, too, now. <laughs> okay, so is that your final answer? The nerve pinch, Emily? Yes. <laughs> it is? Wow. Okay, so Bridget, you have a chance to steal here. Admiral, Admiral, I know the answer. This is an easy question. Okay. I can't believe my classmate did not get this right. Clearly, she's the <laughs> inferior Star Wars <laughs> classmate. So what is the answer? The answer is, uh-oh, oh No, I said Star Trek. Uh, the answer is Vulcan mind meld, not Vulcan nerve pinch. I can't even so- say that. <laughs> We have now reset all of our points since, you know, you stole all of Emilia's, but then you also had a negative. So we're going to just reset everything to zero for now as we move on to round two. Round two? Wait, what? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Round two. Do you, do you want anything other than toast? I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it past this next round. Okay. This one's, these ones are more of an opinion-based questions but can you give me any star trek quote and tell me who said it and you get extra points if you can deliver it in the character's voice and impression like from this series you know what i'll take at this point i'll take any series oh okay i actually i think i i think i got this <laughs> okay <Emilia? clears> fix my hair into the I believe in enterprise. Nice. Even with the pike hair? Okay. <laughs> I did my best. Wait, so did this have to be from Strange New Worlds? No, it, no, it doesn't have to be, but, but you'll definitely get, you know, brownie points by doing Strange New Worlds. Well, you could think about things that would be... I've got it. ...logical. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. ...for this question. <laughs> Live long and prosper. I would have accepted censors, uh, which is how Spock says censors, but that's great. That's a great rendition. Bridget, you beat Emily in this one. You get 350 points. Emily only gets 349 points. Oh, amazing. These points, man. Amazing. Okay, so round three, favorite episode so far and your favorite character and why? Wait, this was this is the final answer where I could talk about how much I love Spock. 
Okay. By all means, what is your favorite episode and your favorite character and why? Okay, now I can't think of the name of the episodes. Um, Amelia, what's the name of the episode where Spock and his wife trade places? Spockamuck. Spockamuck. <laughs> hey, hey, this is a private conversation. Yeah, real private. <laughs> sure. Admiral, my yes. favorite episode is Spockamuck. And my favorite character of Strange New Worlds is Spock. Because Spock is great. Spock is good. Spock is awesome. No one will ever top Spock. He is superb. And he is amazing. Period. Live long and prosper. Period. (laughs) I feel like you just repurpose a third grade... uh... I'm not done yet. Yo, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Okay. Right. I connect to Spock, ironically, on an emotional level, because <laughs> we lack. <laughs> that is ironically. <laughs> that is definitely ironically. And it's nice to see someone emotionless represented on screen, knowing that I am not cold and heartless. I am just like Spock. And maybe Spock has poor taste, too. It is unclear whether or not he likes certain television series that others do not. But I like to think that he does. Fair enough. (laughs) Favorite episode, favorite character, and why? Favorite episode is going to be Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, because I was impressed that they really went there. Um, And remind our audience what happened in that episode. It was the dead children that really got me, but... Basically, it they um, there's this child that gets aboard the Enterprise, and they have to protect this child because they're integral to the survival of this planet, whose name I do not recall right now. And um, as they go forth, uh, this planet seems very idyllic. They've cured all of their diseases. They live in peace and harmony. The city is beautiful. It's like floating above the planet, and it's heaven, basically. Um but by the end of the episode, we come to understand at what cost. And it is at quite a great cost that uh, is unacceptable to our to our captain. Um, so I just, I, I like that the question's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And is there a favorite character? It doesn't have to be from that episode, but is there a favorite character of, your, of yours and why? I'm going to go with Captain Pike. And why? See, I mean, I, I had some other... I had run many runners-up. I thought about Ahura, Spock, obviously. Um, Hemmer. <laughs> but I went with Pike because, honestly, this series is kind of about him. And so mm-hmm. we get to learn... The, but he doesn't suffer from main character syndrome. We get to learn from him, you know, all everything that he's thinking about um, and the many layers that he has and... He's really just trying to be a good captain, and he understands that even though he's very idealistic, he still is capable of making hard decisions. Good answer. Well, that leaves us at 2,010 points for Emilia and 2,001 points for Bridget. (laughs) All right, round five. Oh, my God. Are you now a Star Trek fan? Are you looking forward to more? And if so, where do you think you will start? I say yes. I am a Star Trek. I don't want to say fan yet. I don't want to say fan. Enjoyer. 
I'm an enjoyer of Star Trek. I looking forward to season two of Strange New Worlds. And I do want to watch the original series. I really do. Um, but as we've all know, I'm a completionist, so I don't, I don't know if I want to embark on that journey yet. We'll see. But I really want to watch the J.J. Abrams films. That's what I want to watch. Okay. Those are so fun. you have not seen the J.J. Abrams nope. films? Okay. That is a good place to start. I would recommend that, actually. Okay. So what about you, Emilia? Are you con- do you I'm consider yourself say... a Star Trek fan now? Are you looking forward to more? And if so, where do you think you will start? I'm going to say yes, I am. And um, I feel like I know where I should start, but it is a little bit overwhelming. I do kind of wish there was more more class, potentially. But um, I think the original series is probably where I would start if I, if I really went for it, you know. I mean, the original series, as long as you can look on it with perspective that it was made in the 60s. Some of the effects and graphics, even though they had updated them recently, they kept them very much in the style of the original. Some of the acting performances, especially how women are portrayed on the show, might feel a little outdated. Uh, So just to warn you. But, you know, the stories themselves, some of them are just really spectacular sci-fi stories. So I hope you do that. But if not, I actually would recommend, Emily, that you can start on Discovery because I'm very curious to see how you'd feel about that without having all the Star Trek backlog in your mind. Uh, you might actually embrace it more than a lot of uh, older fans. Well, actually, what um, again, at risk of making a comparison that's not that doesn't make sense. Like with Doctor Who, I've never seen the original Doctor mm-hmm. Who series. Um, I mean, maybe like yeah. a handful of things here and there, but I started at the rebooted series with mm-hmm. Christopher Eccleston. So, like, what is is there a counterpart to that with Star Trek? Well, Strange New Worlds is the counterpart because Discovery is. Um, it's episodic. I'm sorry, it's serialized, not episodic, which means, you know, it's not these individual morality tales. So that might actually be a turnoff to you, and that's what I'm not sure about. Um, but it looks beautiful, and, you know, it's definitely Star Trek. It's just done from a, you know, a, a new updated approach. Gotcha. Okay, so since the bonus round was the homework, which seems as though nobody got the assignment and did, which means I will... Take your, all your points away, unless you can answer one final question. We're going to rewind that. Okay, pencils down, everyone. Let me tally your scores. Okay, so plus the denominator. Subtract the denominator. Carry the one. Okay, times zero. And congrats. Emilia, you have graduated. But Bridget, Yay. I'm so sorry. You're just short on some points here. Uh, but wait, we can give you one more question to push you over the edge. Okay. To 2010, so you can match Emilia. Okay. Here's a question. What is the name of the character who is the communications officer on Strange New Worlds? I'll give you 12 slices of toast if you tell me the answer. It's a horror. You got a deal. Do you want butter or jam? I'm gonna need both at this point. <laughs> okay. Admiral, the answer yes. is Ahura. That's correct. You have both graduated from the Verse Starfleet Academy. Yay. 
We did it. Well, good for you. And Norm looks so proud of us. <laughs> okay. So to prove that you're true cadets, you now must hum the Strange New Worlds theme song. Um. Or any Star Trek show's theme song. Da, 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 da. <laughs> You should be oh run God. out of here. I don't think we've ever done this, but you've just been demoted. <laughs> wow. That was the right Maria, one. Can you do any right Star song. Trek that was the theme, right song? theme song? It's, I feel like there's like a interval drum like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Norm, why don't you uh, take it away with the TNG <laughs> song? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And there's the original one. What do the series does it sound like? They do a little riff on the uh, with the original series at the end. Mm-hmm. It goes do 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 at the end. But I honestly I couldn't awesome. tell you how the theme song goes for Stranger Worlds. I couldn't. It's that it's, it's a little more patty. That's why. I watch it every time because yeah, I just love it. I mean, I love it's the beautiful. effects. I love the uh, Captain Pike saying the you know the the mission and everything. But uh, I honestly can't hum it. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. Class is over. Dismissed. Time to leave. Please don't go. Admiral, I... 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 No. (laughs) This is getting pathetic. I know. Don't worry, Norm. I'm sure you'll see him again very soon. Really? You mean it? Uh, I'm not sure how, because sadly we'll, we'll never know who he was. Who's that, Norm? You wouldn't understand, Lucas. You've never met him. Met who? The greatest and bravest man. I will ever meet. He shared wisdom about strange new worlds and reminded us that even... What are you talking about, Willis? <sighs> Way to ruin the moment, you broken down Atari on legs. Now take it easy there, Norm. No need for insults. I was just thinking to myself, I can't wait for the next season of Different Strokes to come out. I've got some bad news for you, buddy. If I were you, Jet, I'd be careful with my words right now, I would. One false word about Gary Coleman, and I'll pop you right in your old in and out, I will. Oh, let's go. Okay, uh, all right, let's, uh, why don't we, why don't we end on that? I agree. So, be sure to subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And also, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at TheVerseCast, and let us know what you thought about Strange New Worlds, Miss Marmal, everything. And if you want to follow me, Bridget Brogan, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BridgetBrogan16. If you want to follow me, you can follow me, Norm Felker, on Twitter at random underscore white guy. And if you want to follow me, Lucas Longaker, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Emilia, you can find me on Twitter as at EmiliaU. And finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski. Who I really hope is getting that EMP pulse generator going so I can get rid of this bag of bolts again. He can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at FilmSnork. Loyal. I hear our music. It's off to our next destination. Thanks for listening and keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page. 
We'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kuzakowski. Is someone there? You can expect to be cubed in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses, lass. Well, I sure didn't mean to interrupt you getting all spick and span, you know. It's just me, your robotic friend to the end. You sound familiar. Decontaminating ocular sensors for enhanced vision. Wait. You're... Let me guess. Cronsworth. I thought you were dead. Wait a minute, sounds like you're a bit confused. I'm not Cronsworth, I'm Bert. Bert? I came here looking for information about Cronsworth. I know nothing. Please leave. And the next time you visit, I suggest you knock. I am a door, after all. Well, please do excuse me, poor manners. Well, not knocking and all, but I do think I smell some pork pies, I do. I'm sure you must know something about old Cronsworth. As stated, I know nothing. And that smell is chilly. Resuming countdown. Seven, six, five... Let's be reasonable, Dorothy. Just put a stop in to your counting and get ready talking. I repeat, I know nothing about him or how he died. Well, now you see. Sounds to me like you know quite a bit. And old Bert's ready to hear all about it. I have tried to purge that fateful episode but I can still hear his terrified screams. That would normally provide me with tremendous joy. But not this time. This was not like the cubing of an inferior humanoid life form. This was a betrayal. When Norm killed Kronz... I've said enough. Please leave. I have chili to stir. Four, three, two... Don't worry, Dorothy. You've got a friend in me. It's about time someone does something about the murder of that ball roller. And I'll bet you a gun of new coke I know just who did it. Very well. You have convinced me. Take this bowl of chili and I will tell you all about episode 36 of The Verse, The Death of Cronsworth. Would you like sour cream on your chili? Both my chili and the story are quite spicy.